All right. Well, we are once again in Headspace Volume 2, Attention with Intention. And um, this is a headspace, this word is something that's kind of become something we're familiar with where maybe a few years ago, we didn't really talk a lot about someone having headspace or whatever it might be. But let's be very clear, the truth of the matter is, is that no matter what you want to call it, it is on our minds. The things that are going on inside of our head and inside of our mind are things that we care about. It's like a whole other world that we're living, even if it doesn't necessarily manifest itself outside. I'm going to do you all a huge favor. There's this brand new website that I've found. I don't think any of you have ever visited it before. Let's go to take a look at it here. It's called Google. Have you all heard of this before? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if you can read there, but one of the top things that's being Googled these days is the word loneliness. Another one of the things that is being Googled these days is anxiety and anxiety test. And then also in the top tier of the things that are being Googled is what does God say about blank? So we all know Google. Obviously, I'm trying to be funny. Um, the whole point of it is to show what's on people's minds. And the truth of the matter is, is that whether we want to admit it or not, we do have a whole other world that exists within our minds, within our heads, and, and, and if you begin to look at the scriptures through the lens of a headspace mindset, uh, forgive me for that, I guess mindset once again, you see it popping up everywhere where it talks about how we are to set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. I've read Romans 8 a ton of times uh, over the years of being a person who follows the Lord, reads the scriptures, things like that. I read it with brand new eyes, looking at it from the version of headspace. And what Paul just read a few moments ago, it talks constantly about where we are to set our minds and what that will do for us if we choose to do that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll revisit some of those things that Paul just mentioned. But don't forget, your mind is where everything truly begins. The truth of the matter is, is that almost everything that exists in our natural world came from the seed of a thought that eventually became something that we put thought into, a mind set on something, whatever that might possibly be. And so it's so important that we grasp that our minds are a place that God is actually concerned about. It's not just that he wants you to have peace, but he wants you to have victory. And the victory in a Christian life begins within your mind. Because just a few moments ago, you probably saw the slide that says, you know, the human mind is a place of its own, and it can make a heaven out of hell and make a hell out of heaven. And this is so true. We've seen people who on the outside look like they've had everything going for them, and yet at the same time, there's clearly something going on. Now, I'm going to sit down very quickly, and let's just say our young people, they're gone, so it's mainly just us, us older people, Right? But they are struggling because of the things that we have a little bit more perspective on. We have a little bit more of a grasp and a rootedness dealing with COVID and some of the uncertainty and stuff like that. They don't have the wisdom of years and years of experience. And so when we say, hey, it's going to pass because we've seen stuff before, it might be bad, but things will eventually get better. They don't know that. Are you guys with me? Can, can I get an amen real quick? Amen. Okay, so what I'm trying to convey to you is not that they're silly or that they're dumb. It's they're not experienced. And if you were 20, you'd be feeling that way. 
If you were 14, you'd be feeling that way. I'm telling you, you would. And so we have to take advantage of these opportunities to reach to them and be a lifeline and take this opportunity to point them to the one who says, I'm in control no matter when it looks like things are out of control. Amen? And so if we're doing that, we're taking advantage of the spiritual opportunities to speak into something that they're already worried about, that they're already wondering about, they're already Googling Tell me about an anxiety test because I'm not sure. I think I'm feeling it. And you and I have that answer to point them towards the Lord, but we cannot be delinquent in that opportunity. If we see it, we need to take advantage of it. All right, so very quickly, let me just talk about very, uh, a couple of things and let's talk about these two minds that are mentioned here. Romans chapter eight, verses five through six. Look at this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit, capital S, desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Now here's where I get kind of personal with you. If you cannot describe your headspace as life and peace, guess what I'm going to tell you? The A equals B equals C, and in reversed, if you are struggling with your headspace, you need to be letting your mind constantly be governed by the Spirit, because when you do, guess what is the result? It equals life and peace, and if you don't have life and peace up here, I encourage you to review and look once more at the things that you are letting your mind set and settle upon. Because when you do, the more you let your mind settle and constantly choose to once again place it and then place it and then place it, because you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you, you, you had peace this morning, but somewhere it got lost on the way. Can I get an amen, right? Okay, so when you constantly are setting your mind on those things, your mind is being governed by the Holy Spirit, and that brings you two words. You guys make sure, show me that you're awake. It's life and so if you don't have life and peace, begin in your mind. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. Beyond the very extreme of fatigue and distress, we may find amounts of ease and power that we never dreamed ourselves to own, sources of strength that never are taxed at all because we never push through the obstruction. Let me share with you what I mean and why I want to share this quote with you. If you are a person who is struggling to have that peace in your headspace, it begins by knowing where you need to go, and that is to the Holy Spirit and to God's word and to him. He is our refuge and our ever-present help in a time of trouble. But you may be saying, I know, but I just don't have the energy. I know, but I just don't think I can. I believe exactly what this quote is telling me. How many of you have ever done an athletic thing um, and you got to the place where you're like, that's it, I can't take another step. If I do, I will likely fall down. Have any of y'all ever had that experience before? Had it just the other day at the gym. I was stretching, I was like, ooh, if I do anymore, I'm going down. The truth of the matter is, is that we all feel like we know our limits, but there's something more. If you've experienced that before, say yes. You are tougher in here then you realize. And all the things that you struggle with in here are on God's heart as well. Young person, 
Older person doesn't matter. If you are struggling in your headspace, it matters to God. He wants to influence where you are setting your mind. He wants you to gain life and peace. Now, that doesn't mean there's everything's perfect in my life. No, 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 that's not it. But in here, you're thinking positive in life, not death and destruction. You're thinking peace and safety, even when things are going absolutely crazy out here. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. And this is Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 15. And I want to just share something with you. This is going to be deep. And you guys are going to have to give me a little grace. Can y'all give me a little grace this morning? Can y'all give me a little grace? Because I got something that I think that is very powerful, but I need your grace. Can y'all give me a little grace this morning? Amen? Okay, so here we go. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. I want you to understand something. I'm about to use a word that is kind of a triggering word, and that is the word slaves. But there is something powerful and deep about God's Word, which never uses a a word by accident. So hang with me, and I want to show you something that I think is powerful. I would say that you and I have moved from slaves to sons. Through Jesus Christ and his change and his power and his grace, we have moved from slaves to sons. Now, here's something to learn, and this is very important. Back in those days when Paul wrote these words to the Roman church, most of the slaves were not slaves because of a race, but slaves because of a choice. This is where it gets important. Follow me. Let's go to our next slide, and I want to share it with you. The word slave to those in that time of Paul's letter to the Romans would have been people who voluntarily sold themselves to debtors to pay off debts that they could not pay for. In other words, I didn't borrow money from the bank. There was no First National Bank. So I had the first bank of Frank. I don't know. It just rhymed, Frank. I'm sorry. I just saw you back there. So I would go to Frank, and I'd say, Frank. You're, you got some money that I could borrow? And he'd say, sure, you're going to pay me back with interest at in this amount or whatever. But then my business goes under. And Frank says, I still got to be paid. And I say to him, I don't have the means to pay. I no longer have a business to pay. I lost all the money that you owe me. And he'd say, well, then what we're going to do is ask you to be a slave as a debtor, a debtor slave. I would sell myself and sometimes even my family into debt slavery to pay back the debt that I owed to Frank. Not racial, but a choice. Not racial, but a choice. Now here's where I get even a little deeper. You and I are selling ourselves to everything this world has to offer. And we're wondering why we're slaves. You guys with me? We give ourselves and every bit of our attention and every bit of our mindset to stuff that does not matter in God's economy, but matters a ton in the 2022 Sugarland Texas economy. And so we give ourselves and give ourselves and give ourselves, and then we turn around and go, why are we slaves to this stuff that we thought we owned? And turns out it owns us. Do you see why this is important? 
God's word doesn't use this triggering word by accident. We have voluntarily given ourselves away and he is trying to give us freedom. He is trying to bring us out of a place where we do everything just so we can break even. And he is trying to bring us to a place of abundance. If you guys are with me, please say amen. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. I want to encourage you, if you've ever sold yourself to something and you've become a slave to something accidentally, something that you slid into, something that you thought you could control and found that it could control you a lot quicker than you could control it, I'm here to tell you that the Son makes you free indeed. He has not called us to be slaves. He has called us to be sons. And what he says here in this last part of this last verse, let's go ahead and go one more slide forward. Go back to what we just shared. You don't need to live in fear. Instead, by the Spirit, you've received adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. You see, back in those days, God was the Father that you feared. Paul is writing to them and says, he's not your father, he's your dad. The Aramaic word being your dad or your daddy. Now, let me ask you guys a question real quick. I got three daughters and you know them. They're Tori, Taryn, and Tatum. You don't know any of the orders because we did that to you. That's our fault. We get it now. We thought we were clever. Everybody had the same name. Nobody can say it right. Not even Shelly when she's mad. That happened in your house too? One of y'all is nudging your kids like, see, it's not just me. It's not just me that I'm a bad mom. So what he's saying here is so important. It's so important. He's saying, you don't need to be afraid. Can you imagine if I introduced you to my kids and they were walking around and you heard them call to me, father, father, would you like for me to do this for you? And I'd say, yes, daughter, that'd be great. Thank you, Father. It'd be my honor, be my privilege. You'd be like, what kind of weirdness is going on in that house? Right? But if you heard them calling me, hey, Dad, Dad, or Daddy, if you heard them calling me Daddy, you'd be like, what do they want? (laughs) But Dad is a different thing. So what is he saying right here? He's saying, you've gone all the way from a person who sold yourself the things that you thought would bring you happiness and joy and peace. And I've brought you out of that and past that, even though it was your choice to go down that road. I've brought you all the way to where you don't call me father, but you call me dad. You have been adopted to sons. Powerful. And I'm here to tell you, if you have sold yourself, or if you are currently selling yourself cheap, God's got a higher price tag on you than you do. Start listening to that voice. Can I get an amen? Amen? Okay, let's keep moving. And I, and I got to move fast now, but I wanted to share this with you. Dr. Dahadi Lewis, founding pastor of Blueprint and an author, said the problem that most Christians have is that they believe with all their hearts that God only calls us to easier and better. And as such, we end up determining the will of God by the path of least resistance. I'm not here to tell you it's going to be easy, but if you will find a way to set your mind on things above, your life will begin to change. If you do not have victory, I want to ask you, where's your mind been? Is it set on the things of the, uh, things of the spirit or things of the flesh? And I encourage you to realize the Christian life is not easy. It is often hard, but it is always meaningful. 
and purposeful. And let's be clear, at the end of our lives, we are not going to look around and go, did I have every single day as a peace and joy and love? No, no, we won't. But we want to know, did we make a difference? Did I make an impact? Did a life change because of the life that I've lived? Let's keep moving here very quickly. And in the Old Testament, if you doubt what I'm saying, if you're one of those people who says, no, 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 I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to have all the happiness in the world and all that stuff. Think about Job. Think about David. Think about Joseph. Think about Moses, Esther, Jeremiah, all of these people that served God with their whole entire life and yet had a difficult path in the midst of it. And in the New Testament, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then 10 of the 11 original disciples were martyred for their faith. And yet, what an incredible impact. And then, of course, Paul, who we're talking about. And, oh, I left one off on the New Testament. That guy named Jesus wasn't real easy for him, was it? And yet, the most powerful life that's ever been lived, the most impactful life that's ever lived on this earth is Jesus' life. Here's our big idea. I want to go ahead and skip down to the big idea, and I'm going to move it very quickly. Your background and challenges are not chosen, but you can always choose your attitude. Let's say it together out loud on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Your background and challenges are not chosen, but you can always choose your attitude. Now, can we make it personal? My background and challenges are not chosen, but I can always choose my attitude. If you believe that, give me an amen. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. And I want to talk about the, the questions for a spirit-led mind. I have four, and I'm hitting them and moving quickly. You all ever get those auto-response emails? You send something, you know, I'm sorry I'm out of the office for the next three and a half weeks, right? You know, you're like, oh, great, got to have it done today. What's your auto-response? It's that thing that's automatically generated by the thing that you shoot out into the, into the internet, right? You shoot an email, and then... Psh, comes right back to you, you get an automatic response. Now, here's where I want to get personal. When you face challenges, difficulties, and problems, when headspace starts getting crowded and cramped in here, what is your automatic response to those challenges? If you are positive about it, you're one of the lucky few. But for most of us, we begin to worry, stress, and maybe that whole fight, flight, or freeze response that we talked about a few different times right? And so we've got to be very aware that when I get stressed, this is what I tend to do. You guys with me? Let's move on very quickly. I'm going to keep moving just because I just don't simply have enough time, but keep going if you don't mind to the next slide. There is an opportunity for you and I. There is such a thing as called learned optimism. And basically, an optimistic explanatory style, what that means in a nutshell is when something happens, you start telling yourself a story. You start telling yourself a story as to why this happened to you. And if you have the opportunity to change that through learned optimism, you can change the entirety of your mindset and your life. But if you do not, you will be constantly stuck in the negative cycle. And how many of you know challenges come even if you're a good person? Can I get an amen, right? Even if you're a good person trying to live your life right, you will still face challenges. You had better know what the auto response for you is and take action accordingly. Moving on. Let's keep moving. How can I grow from this? Most of us have grown in our challenges in ways that we never grew when things were good. If you know that to be true, say, yes, that's me. 
right? Yes, that's me. Let's keep moving. Intellectual growth should start at birth and cease only at death. Can I just be real pointed? There's a crazy thing that happens in our headspace. And when we feel this crowdedness coming in on us, we tend to give less to our tasks and our relationships and the important things in our life. You guys have been there. Giving less becomes a downward spiral for you. You know that, right? Have you ever stopped to put those things together? So when my headspace gets crowded, I give less, which makes my headspace worse, which encourages me to give even less. And suddenly you look around and you go, this is not the man that I wanted to be. This is not the woman that I had always promised myself that I would be. This is not the mom. This is not the dad that I said I would become when I got my shot at it. What has happened? What has happened is, is that you and I have gotten accustomed to living with a crowded headspace that encourages us to do less, which encourages us to do less and less and less and less. And for those on the podcast, I look like I'm dancing right now. I'm doing that downward spiral thing. Just trying. All right, keep moving, keep moving. How would an overcomer attack this problem, this challenge? Ask yourself these questions. What's my auto response? How can I grow from this? How would an overcomer attack this issue that's attacking me? Because as the Bible says at the end of this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 8, we are more than overcomers. Not just overcomers, but we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and on and on. And Paul gives all these examples and he says, is, is it height nor depth nor, nor, nor life nor death nor principalities nor powers? No, none of these things are going to win over us because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So he is telling us in the passage that we're reading, but we didn't read that particular part, that you and I have a pedigree of victory through God that we don't often claim. We live beneath what God wants us to live because we will not do the one thing he has asked us to do, and that is put him at the center and set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. And so for you and for me, the point here is, in your headspace, clear out just enough to give room to God so that he can help you to realize the overcomer status that he has already given his children. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be quick. Doesn't mean it's going to be something that you have figured out from the very get-go. But it will mean that Christ eventually will always overcome. And because of that, so will I. And so will you. Now's a good time for an amen. Don't you agree? Amen. You've got that pedigree waiting for you. Embrace that and endure, <laughs> endure until it comes. Let's keep moving. Um, so how can God use this for his glory? This is the question. How can God use this for his glory? I want you to not miss this. For so many of us, when we're in the midst of a challenge or a problem or a tribulation, the very first thing that we ask ourselves is a question, and we miss the opportunity for another question. So can we go to this next slide? Don't miss this. When we face challenges, most of us never get past asking, how can I get out of this? But a mature Christian response asks, what can I get out of this? You see the difference? If y'all see the difference, just let me know. Yeah, you see the difference? Now, put your hands all the way down, 
and ask yourself the question, which question do you ask? Because for most of us, it's how can I get out of this? And the quicker, the better. But very, very few, but the most mature few ask, what is God trying to say? And what can I get out of this thing that I can't get out of right now? As long as I'm here, I may as well make it worth my while. I may as well learn something. And God may as well change me and show me something that he's doing in the midst of this. So I just want to encourage you, make sure that you grasp and understand whatever you are facing, God has a plan for it and for you. Doesn't mean that you're wrong, doesn't mean that you're sinful, but it does mean that God and his power can change all things. Now, I'm going to do an I apply by and then I'm going to shift it up on you just a tiny bit and I want to show you something that happens. Let's do an I apply by. How do you apply this? I think you probably need to determine what is your auto response? How can I grow? How do I act as an overcomer would act? Or how does God get the glory for these things? I imagine one of these four is the thing that's preventing you from living towards victory. And I don't know what that is. For some of you, the auto response is good. You have an optimistic outlook, but you don't follow through. For some of you, your auto response is terrible. And it gets you on the wrong path and keeps you there until something might or might not happen to change your outlook. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I believe that God has made us as overcomers. And he desires for our minds to be constantly set on him and the things that he's doing and accomplishing in our lives. I would even go so far as to say that it is a sad thing for his children to struggle with their headspace constantly and never give a single thought to say, what can God do in the midst of my mind? What can God do to change the war that is going on in my mind? What can God do to change the private hell that exists above my head? I mean, above my my shoulders, here in my head. Like, what can he do to pull me out of the darkness? And you don't need a Google. (laughs) You need to be reminded that the Lord who loves you, who has called you from the things that you've sold yourself to and made you a son and a close relationship at that, don't ever sell yourself short ever again. He has made you for victory, and he has given all of the power to his son, who in turn makes it available to us. But we have to reach out and receive that gift, that God might show himself strong in these weakened vessels that he lives within. Those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And let that be so true. As the worship team's coming for our final song, I want to talk about something very quickly, and I want to share this with you. So maybe you can grasp and understand the way that things actually work in real life. Let's go to our next slide, please. Oh, not there. Let me see here. Can you go to slide number 25? Is there slide number 25 there? Okay, I may have changed it. Let me just do it from memory, if I can. Y'all pray for me. In Romans chapter 15, Paul 
tells the Romans, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait for us to meet one another face to face. And as Paul wrote those words, he probably penned those in about AD 56 to 58. You guys with me? AD 56 to 58. And then we read the book of Acts and we realize that Paul actually did have a time in Rome at the end of the book of Acts in about AD 63 to AD 65. So what he had planned came to fruition. You guys with me? He planned it, he wrote it in the book, and it came to fruition later in another book. But can I tell you a little bit more about Acts chapter 28? Ah, there we go. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is in Rome like he had hoped he always would be, but guess where he is? He's under house arrest and can't leave. Why does this matter? Here's why it matters. Because what we want and expect might be bright sunny days, blue skies, and never a problem. What God often allows to happen in our life is something different than what we planned. Can I get an amen, right? Amen? It's different. But here's what I want you to know. Just because it's different than you plan doesn't mean it's not God's plan. And as he is there and under that house arrest, he begins to write scripture because he's got nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. And so Paul begins to write scripture that touches and changes the entire face of the church forever. Passages like Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon all written while he's under house arrest. And he did exactly what he said he would do. I will see you someday. I can just feel it. It's going to happen. But it was different than he thought. Now, <clears throat> I don't want to sound old, but I'm getting there and I sure can see it from here. And the longer that I live, the more I realize life is probably not going to turn out exactly like I expected. But God is in the midst of it all and always. And even when it doesn't turn out, my prayer as a follower of Christ is supposed to be not my will, but thine be done. And God has plans and providence that is greater than anything that I have planned and an impact that is greater than anything I've got planned. But I've got to say, okay, Rather than worrying about what's happening or not happening, I've got to set my mind on the things that he has planned first and foremost. Heavenly Father, may you lead your children to accomplish your will and your purpose. Give us strength to sometimes endure when we don't have the expectation of the things that happen in our life. And it is my prayer, Lord, that in the midst of it all, we would know that you are with us that you are guiding, that you are leading, that it is your path that is being accomplished in your people. Make us strong and courageous, I pray, and all for your glory. In Jesus' name.